Hi everyone, welcome back to the Earth on Survival Guide, a podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and enthusiasts like Josh and myself. I am, of course, Dan. With me, of course, is Josh. Happy New Year, everybody. And welcome to Studio 54 of the Earth on Survival Guide. Sorry, I had to get a little uh, reference in there, because we are at 54! I can count this time. So, 54 episodes deep. How do you like them apples? Uh, I like that. It is, we are here in year two. Yes. Beginning of our second year, because we, we lapped it the first time around. So, yeah. um, and yes, Happy New Year, because come on, 2021, uh, 2020 has sucked enough in every way possible. So let's get to the better times as fast as we possibly can. We're clawing back daylight. So at least in the Northern Hemisphere. So there we go. Yeah. Working on it, working on it, working on it. So what do we have anyway. going on this week, Dan? So today uh, we're going to talk about everything uh, quizzical and metallurgical because we are going to talk about a couple of emails we got in uh, during the break. And we are also going to talk about Forge Weapon. And that's going to yeah. be it because that's going to take up the all the air in the room. <laughs> I, I have, we're going to open up the new year. We're going to talk about the thing that I have said that needs talking about but didn't want to talk about in the midst of any other discussions because it would cover everything. Yes. There was a recent question on the uh, Earth Dawn Guild Facebook, Facebook page, page. Yep. about about Forge Weapon, and uh, I'm not necessarily going to address anything specifically from that post in this episode. But it but, did inspire the conversation. But it did, it, because <laughs> basically I said, I thought I had talked about it in the weaponsmith episode and they said well you touched on it briefly but basically said you didn't want to get into it <laughs> i said well i'll put it on the list we'll make it this first episode of the year i have gone through and i have made i've actually made notes we have actually prepped a little so bit that yeah a little if bit. you can go frantic 10 minutes of looking at books prep. i have certainly done more prep than i typically do i've got a document open up here absolutely on my computer screen with yes all of the the relevant like game stat notes for the various editions because all of that ties into my 40 minute rant about not a rant per se but a 40 minute like history lesson and why choices were made and yada 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 so episode 54 episode studio 54 air quotes the weeds we're going to get into the weeds today <laughs> on forge weapon <laughs> yes but first but first we have a couple of emails but first we have some some quick emails so uh yeah honestly enough so uh, all things quizzical first thing is from uh matthew uh hi matthew uh hello guys i'm sorry for your loss josh if there's anything i can do Thank please you. let me know i want to say that i love dan love that dan was recording the legends i am in the camp that i hope we get more episodes of them minus the tragedy for the reason we're getting them. <clears throat> uh, you two are doing a great job, and I am so glad that this podcast exists. Well, thank, thank you, Matthew. You. So are we. Um, we're going to have another Legends episode after this one because we're still in the midst of holiday holidays. recording weirdness. Um, we decided that rather than try and do two episodes here, we're actually recording this on New Year's Eve. <laughs> rather than... Doing it right. Rather than doing... Two episodes tonight and going late. We'll just do the one. We'll do another bit of Legends, which I don't know. It will will it wrap up Legends of Earth on Volume One? Will that, will uh, that one be the last bit? Or will no, because there... there's there's thirty in there. I think I'll be able to get through twenty eight of them because I released one earlier that I'm not going to bother to redo. Lilaria's Mirror. So that one's already out on a tail end okay. of a podcast somewhere way back when. So I'm skipping that one on purpose. I think I just skipped that one oh, last time. Okay, I so think I've got the show notes from last week's would have had it and i had it in there because i didn't actually listen to the episode i just okay. went oh where does he pick up what's the last <laughs> one and just went through the table of contents and listed all of those so my fault meant to tell you no nope, so, that's 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 fine that's hidden that's that's it's a hidden me. treasure somewhere on another podcast um but no that so that's one of the early somewhere. ones it's one of the one of the it's early like 20s ones, early early something even, it might even be earlier than that but anyway maybe anyway so yeah it won't quite i can fix finish show, off so. won't quite finish off legends of earth uh, uh, legends but it'll be delving into the exploration the book of exploration after that so there's 50 of them total but i'm doing there i plan on go. doing you all had, seven seven of seven podcasts of seven stories each for 49 since Lilaria's mirror was already released so that's my plan 
Thank so you, anyway, you, yes, thank you. Dan had been kind of saying in our chats that, that you know, this was just to, to fill space so that we could sort of maintain a consistent release schedule. That he was wasn't sure how people would feel. And it, clearly, not only from Matthew, but a couple of other people have mentioned on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot that they have actually enjoyed those things in there as well. It's a it's a brief respite from uh the regular podcast, but it was only to fill space and feed the viewer feed the feed the listeners, not viewers, feed the listeners um while Josh was handling life one step at a time. So yes. happy to provide content, but we'd rather and, have and not have because been. it is just Dan, then he can record it whenever we don't have to like work out schedules for us to both be available. Yeah. So thank you, Matthew. Uh, I appreciate the feedback. I'm glad you're enjoying them. More to come. On to Brian. Uh, hi there. Just a quick thought on some of the problems with the cavalryman discipline and how they can be used in more campaigns. To me, a lot of the problems go away if you stop thinking of them as exclusively horse cavalry. Obviously, windlings have been avoiding that concern for a long time. But consider that Hatawa are suitable for mounts for orcs, humans, elves, and dwarves are natural climbers, and can jump quite an impressive distance. Frankly, if you bring a Hatawa into a, an abandoned care or similar, they're probably better able to navigate it than their name-giver friend, stairs and all. Dwarf cavalrymen also have the option of the Troagen, or the Trojan, yeah, yeah another Trojan. highly mobile mo, highly mobile mount that, with similar characteristics. And it is even shorter, so you can ride it in shorter hallways. Neither of these mounts' options are extremely difficult to come by either, and I would say that in the event that you don't have room to charge... I suspect that either of those mounts will do better than a horse as well, which will help co compensate for not being able to use charge. There will still be some scenarios where the mount won't be able to go, like an audience with some sort of government official. But then again, it isn't like you're any worse off than a warrior in that case, and you may in fact be better off. Cavalryman is not by any means primarily a social discipline, but compared to a warrior, they're looking pretty good. <laughs> now, granted... This still leaves Troll and Obsidian characters in a bit of a lurch, but it still means that your options are far more open than I think most people give it credit for. So, just a thought, if you're itching to play a cavalryman, but you're worried that your mount won't handle going down a narrow flight of stairs or up a cliff, try choosing a mount that is more suited for adventuring in those regions. The idea of the cavalryman may be closely associated with a horse, but that doesn't mean that your cavalryman must ride one. All regards, Brian. Yes, that is that those are some great points and ones that that have not come up in any of the cavalryman <laughs> discussions that have been weaving their way back and forth through this show. What? The Troogen and Hutawa are both pretty respectable mounts. Mm -hmm. If you have a character that is capable of using them. The one downside potentially of both of those mounts is that their diet is carnivorous. They're both sort of carnivorous animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so consequently, that does mean that feeding them is a little bit more expensive than it is for a, a traditional horse or Grand Lane. Yeah. And the Windling mounts, you know, their diets are a little bit different as well compared to a horse, but they're a lot smaller and so don't tend to eat as much. Mm -hmm. I know in... Uh, the, the player's guide in the equipment chapter at the back, the tables, I think, do show the feeding costs for the, the various mounts. And I'm pretty sure that the, both the Hutawa and the Troogen are more expensive compared to their herbiv herbivorous, yes. uh, herb herbivore counterparts. But yes. yeah, absolutely. The, the Troogen and the, um, the Hutawa. The, I have a I have a soft spot in my heart for for Trojan. Yeah. So player's guide page four forty mounts table feed cost. So what is a standard? What is it? So what is a standard horse cost? So draft horse or let's go riding horse. They're all five riding copper. horse. Doesn't matter. They're yeah, all five, five copper so that's, for all, that's all horses per day. I think is what. Um, yep. It's it's daily cost. Daily cost. Okay. Um, and then uh, the Hatawa's eight copper pieces. Okay, that's actually not that much more expensive. And uh, the Trojan is Trojan is uh, two silver. Yeah, but okay. So yeah, it's basically the Trojan is, eight, is the cat. Yeah. Horses are five cents, Tawa is eight cents, and a Trojan therefore is twenty cents. So something like that. So that's yeah, so the Trojan, which is the cat, which is the one that I am partial mm -hmm. to, oh, uh, awesome. is the more expensive <laughs> because I think the Hutawa actually their diet is is a little bit more specialized, but still kind of mm -hmm. kind of partially herbivore and whatnot what are the um because you've got the table right there what I are do. the zoke and 
Q. That's, that's what I was laughing for. Uh, the Q is two copper pieces, and the Zoke okay. is one copper piece. So they're very inexpensive because they are smaller. They're very expensive. But yep. uh, since you have – so, I mean, like a horse can graze on grass uh, and hay and things like that. So that's not hard to do. So wilderness survival as a skill for your character wouldn't be too bad to help feed that that animal if you're not buying rations for it. But if you have something that is, as you said, carnivorous, hunting would be the skill you want to have to go right. get small game to feed them. Or let them go hunt. That's what they do. That's their instinct. Yeah, the 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 point that the those two, what are traditionally sort of thought of as as dwarven mounts, are much better suited in some respects to uh, care diving type things because they're a little bit more mobile and jumping and climbing and whatnot. The uh, the other one to to look at, although it's a bit more along the lines of the horse, is to look at like the the riding goat, hmm. which is more like the big kind of like mountain goat or mountain sheep type of thing, yeah. uh, rather than what most people think of as a goat, which is a billy goat. Those Fair. are really good climbers as well, and probably yeah. a lot more stable in what you would maybe see in a, in a care environment, but because they are hoofed as opposed to paws like a cat, which yeah. is both the Hutawa and the Trojan, you know, might be a little bit thing. But yeah, absolutely. Okay. Fantastic points to be raised. And, and a lot of the discussion is focused on has been focused on horses. Mm -hmm. But those two mounts are, are definitely worth looking into if you're going to have a game, if you want to play a cavalryman. The other thing to look at is the movement rates for those. And those mm -hmm. are not in the player's guide. Those are in the, the game master's guide. Yes. Because of the requirement for charge requires the animal the mount to move a certain distance in order for you to use it. Mm -hmm. It may be that the if the movement rate for those animals is also smaller than it is for a horse, that makes using charge easier. Yeah. Because you can use it in a little bit more enclosed areas. But all fantastic points and, and great things to bring up. And yes, uh, that doesn't do anything <laughs> for trolls or or obsidian. No. You know, or orcs or, or, you know, anybody who wants to go with the really big strong mounts like a dire or a uh, thundra beast or oh, something yeah. along those lines. <laughs> those are those are big boys and they those are, are still going to have some limitations, but sweet. But yeah, that's that is definitely <laughs> something you need to work with the game master about if you're going to have either of, one those of those. I did uh, once upon a time for for Demon World, I did stat out uh, a big horn sheep as mm -hmm. a mount. You know, what other people in parts of the country call a ram uh, on the mountaintops yeah. where they clash horns, the curved horns. Um, I did stat one of those out. I have the numbers somewhere. So one of these days, if Josh has some time, he'll look over the stats and, you know, see if they're OK. But other than that. Well, that's that's, I I've think, sort them. of what we what I'm talking about with the riding goat is like one of those big oh, cool. horn sheep, like that kind of scale mm -hmm. of of animal. Yeah, because I, I think I put in there that their charge actually was um, like half the distance needed because they do build up some power and actually can ram, you know, the opponent yeah. uh, instead of just something else. But anyway, it's been five years since I looked at that stuff. So <laughs> don't quote me on anything I just said, uh, although you can play it back to me and I will deny it left and right. So, okay. Uh, thank you, Matthew and Brian, for the emails. We figure it's pretty light on emails because of the holidays and or the lack of content we've put out. So uh, now we can generate a whole new slew of emails because we're about to get into the weeds 15 minutes into the podcast. You hear that threshing noise? That's the sound of us walking into the deep, tall grass trying to there find the go. golf ball. So, okay. About Forge Blade. How Forge many iterations Blade, have there been? Forge Weapon. <laughs> okay. So, not including forge armor. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, not, not touching mean, armor today. The, for, forge armor. It's I'll preface with actually. with forge armor. Forge armor is pretty straightforward. Forge armor has never ran in run into the difficulties that forge blade slash forge weapon has. Mm -hmm. I will use the two interchangeably. I will I will not say both every time. So if I say one, assume I am like unless I'm referring to a specific edition. Assume that I mean forge, forge weapon. Yeah, so maybe the whole forge item from when well, it was from when it uh, anyway, started. But <laughs> forge armor never really had the problems that forge weapon did, primarily because forge armor in earlier editions did not become available until much much later. Oh yeah, 
It was a, huge... a warden or master tier <clears throat> talent in first edition, and I don't yes. think it dropped down to be more accessible until third. It was like st- it was like eighth circle to get forge armor or something like that, or even higher. It was just it was insane. even it was even higher in, <laughs> yeah, in original editions. It was nuts, and so it never really showed up. So I guess the way that I'm going to approach this is <laughs> okay. With so a his- I was going to say so where so what prompted the discussion on since we didn't cover it in the Weaponsmith episode and it was brought up in the Earthon Guild Facebook page. What was the question proffered so we can kind of give a context to why why today? Well let's start the, there. Yeah, let me I'll play I'll play interviewer. Without getting into the, the specifics specifics, because I don't have the question I don't have handy. the post up in front of me and I don't want to go digging for That's it fine. right now. But it was mainly sort of there were some aspects of the questions that were being asked. Why? Because it was talking about them in context of third edition and why certain changes were made and and a question about it no longer being balanced and that sort of thing. Yes. And I think to understand why the choices were made for the current fourth edition version of Forge Weapon, it helps to have a historical perspective on where it started and the various changes that were made from edition to edition. And why those were made. So how we got to now. How how we got from then <laughs> to now. Because there are... I, I cannot think off the top of my head mm-hmm. of any talents that saw as wide a variety of changes to them as over the one. course of, of the various editions. Mm-hmm. Like some talents have seen some changes, but you know a lot of them like saw a change or two that kind of settled into their final version with only some some minor tweaks like for example taunt uh, which we talked about with the swordmaster episode which started off providing a a penalty to the target equal to the st- to the talent rank for a number of rounds equal to the talent rank mm-hmm. that fairly quickly got scaled back to the penalty is still equal to the rank but the duration got scaled back yeah. pretty heavily that the duration is based off of the like the number of successes or that got flipped around or something yeah, to something that like. effect mm-hmm. That was something that that like kind of settled into its its more or less final form fairly rapidly. Mm-hmm. Forge weapon from its earliest days of Forge Blade saw one, two, three, four, five, six different <laughs> versions depending on how you count it. <laughs> so, first edition original nineteen ninety three first edition core book. Yes, Forge weapon uh, Forge Blade as it was called then. Mm-hmm. The weaponsmith works on works on the item for a week. The description does not actually provide any kind of guidance as to how much time needs to be spent per, per day, day or mm-hmm. over the course of the week or something like that. It just yeah. says they work on it for a week. The difficulty number for the test is equal to the weapon's damage step. So a broadsword, which is at step five, mm-hmm. is a difficulty number of five. There is a use limit in first edition, and this is the only time that this actually shows up, is it can a, a given weaponsmith, a character may use Forge Blade on a single weapon a number of times equal to their rank in Forge Blade. This limit includes failed uses of the talent on the weapon. So, so there is up. there is a hard limit on how many times you can try to improve any given weapon. Yeah. And there is no, there is nothing in the the rules in the original first edition book that have any kind of duration on it. That once a bonus is provided mm-hmm. to a weapon by the use of the talent, it is permanent. But you can the, do any, you can do any melee weapon with it. Yeah, you can do you can do any melee weapon with it, and regardless of the result of the test, each successful test only provides a plus, plus one, one bonus. Regardless of, of how Re- regardless of, of how yeah regardless of how good your role is, it only provides a plus one bonus. Mm-hmm. There is no there are no special rules or special cases for any kind of limit to the maximum amount of bonus that can be provided. There is no special rules or guidance in the first edition book on using it on magic weapons on thread weapons. No, so that, that basically you it is a sort of universal bonus. It provides a permanent bonus from the weaponsmith onto the weapon to make it better. There, okay. There's 
That's first edition. That's first edition as it is. That's okay. Like yeah, it's, it's, it'll... it's, it's not perfect, but it's actually, I mean, if you look at fourth edition, you will go, oh, hey, there's a rather strong similarity to that. Yeah. Part so of it's, the reason... it's, it's not game breaking yet. Well, <laughs> so two things then happened where we sort of get into version 1.5 of Forge Blade. And yes. these were both introduced in the Adept's Way source book in the game information chapter at the back talking about weaponsmiths. So there fast two... forward two years to 1995. Yes. Fast forward a couple of years. There are two limits. There are two things that are added on to the Forge Blade talent that kind of start the ball rolling in terms of in terms of all of the changes that would come. Yeah. Come so, subsequently. Those two for, those two. You've got the book right there. I I've do. got the notes, but go ahead. You've got the book right there. What are okay. those two limitations? This is my only chance to speak this entire episode because Josh <laughs> has a rant later. Uh, I'm kidding. Just kidding. Uh, so step number limits on forging blade and forging armor a weaponsmith may never improve a weapon's damage step by more than the weapon's original damage step so the best you can do is double it just for clear right there and so same a thing for sword, armor which range. is normally step five can only can ever get, go to a maximum can, step can 10 can only get up to a maximum of step 10 and the same thing for armor ratings and mystic armor ratings of armor may never be increased by more than the armor's original ratings so best you can ever do is double that's it then. So that so that's the, that's the first limit, and we'll circle back to that in a moment because that starts yes. one of the one of the yeah. So things. which again maybe could be game breaking, but not really because there's not a lot of weapons above step six or seven really. So there you are. Okay, so second one is uh, improving magical weapons and armor. This rule is um, difficulty number for the tests using either of these talents: forge weapon, forge armor is the spell defense of the magical item rather than the damage step or the armor rating. Right. And there's another piece of that. Yep. In the case of legendary magical treasure, improving the item requires an excellent or extraordinary success on the appropriate talent test. An average or good success neither improves nor harms the item, but a failed test may weaken or even destroy the item at Game Master's discretion. So basically what that means is that not only... Is the difficulty number different than it is for for mundane items, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than it being a difficulty, target number of the damage step, yeah, like a difficulty five for a broadsword. If you've yeah. got a, 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 a threaded broadsword, a legendary broadsword that doesn't have any damage bonuses on it yet, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter actually whether it does or not. That difficulty number is equal to the to the spell defense of the item, and not only that, you need to get higher than that base difficulty. Yes. Okay, so it, it made the, with the possibility that if you chum your roll, you could screw up the item. Yep. So this, this pair of options ends up doing a couple of things. Like monkeys with wrenches. So, so there, there's a couple of things that happens. One, it makes it really, really difficult to provide damage bonuses to magic items to magic weapons mm -hmm. okay that i mean it's possible to to get some on there but for the most part and in most games i think you're going to see m people because of the potential risk of damage to the weapon at i mean at game master's discretion but because it's in the rules people are like oh well i don't want to risk damaging purifier by trying to add additional damage on top of it yes okay so what you're looking at for most weapons is you're limited to whatever damage bonus the, the weapon provides. And because a lot of times thread items, thread weapons, provide other effects beyond increased damage, mm -hmm. right? So you're looking at, at a thread broadsword that might only end up with a net, with a, with a total of plus two or plus three damage to it from thread ranks that are on it, okay? Yeah. Whereas a normal off-the-rack broadsword can be taken to a weaponsmith who can get it up to a plus five. So a total a total damage step of 10, whereas the threaded broadsword only does a damage step of eight. Now, mm -hmm. the threaded broadsword may provide physical defense bonuses, may provide other special effects. Like, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that the thread weapon can provide to you as a whole character. A whole lot more booyah. Potential, potentially, than raw damage. But gamers, broadly speaking really like focusing on those big damage numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I, I remember the arguments that I had back in, in the, the D&D days of, oh, well, Fireball only does 6d6 damage. damage. Yeah. Compared to a fighter who does this. And I'm like, well, if you look at the potential damage output, mm-hmm. Fireball is not the spell you want to look at. You want to look at a summon spell that summons a creature that then fights alongside you and potentially does more damage than just over fireball. the course of its duration yeah. than the fireball can in a mm-hmm. single round. But anyway, that that's irrelevant, but that's the sort of like people focusing on one particular thing and getting that number as maximum as possible. Welcome to the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you start having so yes, there is a limit that can be that is placed on mundane items compared to what the original first edition rules as written could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it also limited thread items in a way that I think was a little bit to their detriment. The question becomes, well, why would I want to, if if my goal as a warrior is to deal as much damage as possible, <laughs> that may not actually be the thing, but a lot of people like, I, I hit what, things with my sword. My sword should is, do as much damage as possible. Why would I, I want a threaded sword that only does step eight damage at its maximum when yeah. I could get a a normal broadsword forged up to do to step ten. ten? Yeah. Right? Those two extra steps make a difference. Not a huge potentially. I mean, potentially. But yeah, like the you want the bigger numbers. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that that limit on the maximum damage kind of did is that because the weaponsmith's limitations on use, including failed item including failed uses, was their rank, mm-hmm. there comes a point where if you have a high enough rank in the talent, a yeah. weaponsmith can Oh, and or you get multiple weaponsmiths working on an item mm-hmm. that basically there there is no effective reason why regular weapons and armor or regular weapons. I, again, I don't want to talk about armor too much because it may have had these issues, but they never materialized because the talent was relatively speaking so rare. Yes. But you have a situation like in the Thrall Source book, the first edition Thrall Source book, the regular frontline infantry of the Throlic army are mm-hmm. all equipped with maximum forged broadswords that basically you've got the regular troops walking around with step 10 weapons, step 10 weapons because yeah. Thrall has a, enough of a, of an industrial base has enough of a population of weaponsmiths mm-hmm. paid for by the crown to basically do nothing but improve the weapons of their soldiers all day in the life. Basically, you you start off with, you know, basically you kind of start this 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 arms race where, I mean, you go and you and and because it's permanent, you go over you go and you come across a you know, even if you aren't actively going out and ambushing Throlic troops to steal their <laughs> weapons, you come across a group of of uh, a Throlic soldier or something who might have died and his weapon is there and you suddenly have a, a step ten broadsword. Yeah. So what happens is the 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 problem, as I see it, is not the damage step that is potentially uh, available to mm-hmm. the to it, within the game. I I don't think that that is actually what the problem was. I think the problem is is the permanent effect of that bonus that Fair. that warps the setting in in certain ways. You know, rightly or wrongly. So that is the understanding that situation that we had in the setting at the tail end of first edition with, oh, the Throlic army are equipped with maximum forged weapons. <laughs> weapons. Yeah. Maximum forged mundane weapons have higher damage step numbers than you are going to find from compared to most thread items. Mm-hmm. And the difficulty of forging thread items to get that bonus above and beyond what they might have as far as their as far as their damage step goes, just kind of puts a situation that has people feeling like they're like forge blade is not balanced. Okay. So that's the situation where we're at. First edition shuts down in 1999, 2000. Yeah. Living room games comes along with second edition. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, that they try and do with second edition is take a look at some of the talents that are broadly recognized as troublesome or broken or whatever amongst the the at least the online fan base at the time mm-hmm. taunt being one of them forge blade is another one that is targeted for revision big d big u big h yeah gonna happen <laughs> so second edition so here the so here is the living room games version of forge yeah. blade 
the the duration how much time the weaponsmith needs to work on it is clarified that they mm-hmm. need to work on it for eight hours within a week. So that can be One an day. hour, like an hour and a half a day. It could yeah. be four hours over the course of two days. As long as you cover that period of time, you you, you can use yeah, the talent. You can cram all eight hours in the last day like you do for a final. Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> the difficulty number for it doesn't change at all. Okay. It's still the, the damage step of the weapon. It includes the limit... Um, that was the, the maximum damage bonus limit that was introduced in Adept's way. So you can still only go the maximum of, of double the the weapon's base damage step. Yeah. Um, it no longer has the usage limit. Okay. So there's unlike the hard limit where the weaponsmith could only use the talent against a given item a number of times equal to their rank Mm -hmm. there, that limit is gone. So a weaponsmith can continue to work on a weapon until they max it out. What Living Room Games introduced was a time limit, that the talent itself has a duration. And that duration is that the bonus lasts for a number of months equal to the Adept's rank in Forge Blade at the time that they use the talent. If they use it again while a bonus is in effect, then that basically extends the duration for another period of time. So let's say you have it at rank two, you use it. You get a plus one bonus for two months. As you get towards the end of the two months, you use it again to get another plus one that extends it another two months. And that basically it kind of, in theory, spaces out the whatever. Yeah. This is a good, I think this is a good idea because what you end up with is a situation where having having uh, an army equipped with weapons that have a damage bonus kind of makes for a power like Thrall kind of makes sense because they have a troop of weaponsmiths at their beck and call that they can have to more or less be regularly working on the weapons. Yeah. But you're not going to see a situation where likely where a weapon, a a Thrallic army weapon that is found out in the wilderness because it's especially if it had been lost for a while is going to be as awesome because the enchantments that provided the damage bonus that it has might have worn off. Okay. Yeah. So it introduced that. The problem that I have with the duration that they introduced is that it's kind of fiddly, is that you need to know, in theory, like, probably this is something you're only going to be keeping track of for the player character's weapons rather than NPC weapons. But you need to, in theory, know the rank of the weaponsmith who's working on it. And you need to keep track of when they do it. And there's a lot more time tracking that's, that's involved there. And you need to, like... It's all kind of fiddly with, oh, well, the number of months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think it, it's a good idea that just didn't quite meet the, the, the execution point just because of the amount of fiddly record keeping that is required to kind of keep track of it the way that it's in the way that I think it's intended. Yeah. So, but it does kind of address the situation of, well, why, you know, why isn't there this basically glut of, really high damage, but otherwise normal weapons flooding the province of Barse <laughs> because those bo- because the, the enhancements wear out after time. Yeah. So that's the, the situation there. So they had their own little, little take on it, which is yeah, not they had the, overly the, bad, which, which, which was basically we'll kind of keep it more or less as it is. The rules in second edition, by the way, don't address the thread item question at, at all. all. So in theory, as written, you could go back and say, oh, well, the the forge forge weapon, forge blade can be used on thread items the same way it can be used on other stuff. And the disparity, potential disparity between regular weapons and thread items kind of goes away. Yeah, because that that disparity is one of the driving philosophical discussions <laughs> of, of Earth Dawn. Yeah. So then we get into classic. Classic edition, which Forge Weapon, Forge Blade was doing a lot of heavy lifting in Classic. In addition it was a big, to long list of it's a, it's a it's a it's a big thing. That basically <laughs> one of the things that that we did with Forge Weapon in Classic was because I was on the team, sort of trying to, to work that stuff out. Was we changed some of the difficulty numbers. We we like did a, a lot of kind of fiddling and tweaking, but also included like new rules for how forge blade could be used to actually craft items from scratch as opposed to just being an enhancement 
Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to get into the crafting side of things. I'm just talking about enhancements here. We're already the weeds enough. Let's not go. We're already into the weeds enough. <laughs> Don't need a sand trap too. Classic changed the amount of time needed to work on an item to be a number of days equal to the size of the weapon. So smaller weapons, daggers, short swords, and things like that you would do not faster. take as long to improve as broadswords, two-handed swords, great axes, whatever. Yada, yada, yada. Okay? Yeah. The larger the weapon, the more time it took to to work on. And because I think the the cost for doing it might have been – that's one thing I didn't actually take notes on – was based on how many days it took. It was actually even cheaper to get smaller weapons forged than it was big ones. The difficulty number was equal to the damage, the weapon's damage step plus nine. The reason that this was done was because we basically calculated, well, what is a typical weaponsmith going to have as their steps? Mm -hmm. And what do we want to set the odds of them succeeding against a, a thing are, right? The idea being that a, a weaponsmith who has just a rank one in Forge Blade is probably not going to be working on making big, heavy, elaborate weapons. They're going to be making smaller stuff, daggers, knives, that sort of thing. So forth. Yeah. But assuming that a weaponsmith is going to have a, a step six or seven in their attribute associated with the talent, mm -hmm. they're likely going to be spending a point of karma on it. You know, a difficulty yep. number of 10 for a dagger for a first circle weaponsmith is actually not going to be that difficult for them to pull off. But just just tricky enough. Yeah. But but this was basically a, well, what's the what should the difficulty be? And this is tied in a little bit to the numbers that we were coming up with for creating weapons as well, mm -hmm. which is why things are where they are. But it's basically let's make the difficulty number a little bit higher. Let's base it off of what we think the odds of success should be for someone who is specialized in that trying to do this thing at a certain point. I, I think that was a little bit too much fiddly math on our part on the back end. <laughs> it wasn't anything that, that would come up at the table. Yeah. But I, I think that, that I think we got a little bit into the, into the, the mathematical weeds on that one. It was some legalese under forge blade. I mean, this thing takes up like yeah. a yeah. column and a half. Yeah, forge, on, The forge blade like, rules because it's a combination of the improvements and the crafting Yes. There's just a lot of stuff in there. And Forge Armor is no different. I mean, it's it's like trying to read a legal contract yeah, yeah. on how to use one well, talent, two talents. Yeah, I mean, so. the, the text is very, very similar. It's just basically like cut and paste for for like armor values as opposed to damage and things like that. Yeah. The limit but. on the limit for Forge Blade in Classic, that is the maximum bonus that you could provide to any given weapon, mm -hmm. was the lower of the weapon's base damage step or its size. Size. The reason for that is because of the quarterstaff. <laughs> Basically. Yes. Every every weapon in the game, except for the quarterstaff, the size is smaller, is at least equal to or smaller than the weapon's yeah. base damage. Mm -hmm. Except for the quarterstaff, which is damage step two, size five. Yep. So the, the basically the issue being if we make the bonus and so the bonus was made equal to size to further reduce the maximum damage cap that could be placed on any given weapon. Mm -hmm. So instead of a, a, a broadsword being able to cap out at 10, it could only cap out at eight because it's a size three weapon. But a quarter staff is its damage step two. If we go and limit that by size and suddenly it can get a plus five bonus to go up to a damage step seven. <laughs> everyone's walking around with staffs. Every, yeah, everyone's <laughs> at that point. Everyone's walking around with staffs. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's, it's an edge case with a special rule written basically just to deal with that edge case. Again, uh, well, mathematically, we really were getting into the weeds in, well, in that. And, and quarterstaves are the, one of the few, I think the only weapon that if you use that in a defensive stance combat option, you get a plus one to your physical defense. That was a, that was something in some editions. I don't remember offhand whether it's in fourth or not. Anyway, uh, I know it's in classic. I know it's in classic. That's all I know. But that's I'm going to stop right there. And so. <laughs> the duration and we kept in some respects, we kind of kept the duration idea that was introduced in second edition, but standardized it. That the duration was a year and a day. Yeah. Marked from the time that the forging was completed. It doesn't just, matter what rank the weaponsmith is. A year and a day is is a is a classic Earth Dawn thing. It's, yeah, it's a classic Earth Dawn time period. It's a lot easier to, to kind of keep track of in some regards um, if you're keeping a campaign calendar and, and whatnot. And that's always measured from the date of the last forging. So you can and you can also take a weapon to a weaponsmith to basically sort of renew that enchantment. It just requires you to kind of have upkeep on a weapon. Every once in a while. There was yeah. also a limit that the maximum... I didn't note that. I think 
Classic introduced the idea of the bonus being provided by the talent test being based on the results of the test. That if you rolled really well, that you would get multiple bonuses. No, it didn't. No, okay, sorry. For, so, so no, so it still only provided a plus one bonus. It does address the thread item question. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Hence the, hence the legalese of the yeah. page and a half of, yeah. Uh, it's It uses, it rather than going against the item's mystic defense, we already talked about why that's a problem. Yeah. It goes against the weapons base damage step, plus any forge enhancements that it's received, but does not factor in any damage bonuses as a result of woven threads. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you have a broadsword that has as a thread bonus a plus one to damage, but it hasn't had a forged blade done on it, it's mm-hmm. difficulty five, not six or seven or whatever that thread enhanced damage might yes. be. Base but, step, but it does require a good success as as opposed to an to an average success. So it is still a little bit more difficult to enhance mm-hmm. thread items. The idea being that because there's a magical pattern there and Forge Blade is doing something magically to the item's pattern in order to provide the bonus damage, you need to be a little bit more careful that you're not going to screw it up. I don't think there's any penalty for failure except it not working. There's no chance of ruining it. But it's a little bit more difficult, easier than the excellent or better that was required in first edition. And also against the item's damage the same way you would any other weapon as opposed to the Mystic Defense. So it kind of addresses that. And again, you're still looking at a... At, so basically what ends up happening is that you can have thread items that ultimately, because they have additional damage bonuses provided by their thread ranks, will end up being higher damage than an equivalent mundane item. Mm-hmm. But the broadsword is capped at eight. A threaded broadsword is capped at eight plus whatever damage bonuses the item provides. Okay? Yeah. Addressing the, the, the question of, well, what... You know, why would I use a thread item when when I have, could get a regular just forged item instead? Random forged item. Because ultimately the thread item will do at least the same, if not more damage. Okay? Yeah. So that was that was classic edition. Again, talking about these changes that were made to try and address what various designers and players saw as the problems with previous versions of Forge Blade. Yeah, because players, I can't see, are intentionally trying to break the game, but they're going to rules lawyer you to say, well, it says I can do this. I'm going to try and max it out. I mean, it's not even it's not even rules lawyering. It's mm-hmm. the fact that a weapon's damage is one of the most significant stats in the for game. a weapon in the game. <laughs> you do a lot of combat. You can hit a lot there, of things. There's, there's a lot of combat. You've got combat-focused disciplines. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking to be as effective as they can. And the most obvious way to do that is to have your weapon doing as much additional damage as possible. Yes. Fair. All of that is under, like, I'm not blaming anybody for that approach. That makes absolutely perfect sense. Exactly. It's just that we all want the most effective tool we can use, (laughs) you know, that that because there are different ways that that gets approached, there are questions that, that arise. Yeah. So, so this this all sounds a little complicated, Josh, what can fourth edition do to maybe streamline this process? We'll get there. <laughs> First, we got to talk about third edition. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Third Didn't edition. Skip one. Uh, third edition, which was kind of built off of classic, did, mm-hmm. kept some things the same, changed a couple of other things. What? It kept the, the amount of time it took to do it was the same. The number of days equal to the weapon size. So that didn't change. That I like. That makes sense. Difficulty numbers still equal to the weapons damage step plus nine. That didn't change okay. at all. That streamlines things. The maximum limit. Is equal to the weapon size. Uh, basically, quarterstaffs ended up being the edge case that allowed a higher potential max damage. They got rid of yep. the lower of size or damage. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm, was not really involved in that development, so I don't know why. I think it's just I, I think it's easier, and the edge case is not worth getting too Hash, upset yeah. about. Stop! Stop splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like quarterstaffs are kind of seen a, a, in some ways as an iconic weapon in some mm-hmm. regards. Just, yeah, if you want to have, like, if you want to fight with a quarterstaff instead of a sword, potentially you can kind of end up in roughly the same area that you are going to with a sword. A quarterstaff yeah. ends up at maximum damage step seven under this, whereas mm-hmm. a broadsword ends up at maximum damage step eight. They become a lot more equivalent. It takes yeah. a little bit more investment to get the quarterstaff there, but, like, it's not broken no. overall. It just, no. if you want to fight with a staff, then, yeah, you can you can Go do for that. it. Great. The duration is kept a year and a day. So a lot of things are the same. Streamlined. 
However, well, not not streamlined, but like not sensible. A lot of, there was one. The one notable change with third edition is that you can no longer use Forge Blade, and this actually was the first edition where it was called Forge Weapon instead of Forge Blade. Hmm. You can no longer use it on thread items. Oh, there you go. The reason for this is that at first, at the first thread rank, all thread weapons provided the maximum allowable forge bonus as their rank one thing. The idea being that in order to enchant a weapon to make it a thread weapon, it needed to have had forge blade used on it in order to maximize its potential to open it up for enchantments. So basically, once it becomes a thread item, those bonuses are rolled into that right from the beginning so that rank one of a weapon, rank one of a thread weapon, you're no longer looking at well, I can, the potential maximum damage that I can get with this thread sword, I won't hit the equivalent of what I can do with a mundane sword until I hit rank five with the thread. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use this regular sword until I rank the, like, I, I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a, it's a little bit, again, kind of getting into the weeds of the, a solution in search of a problem kind of thing. I, yeah. I don't know in all honesty how much of a problem that actually was. But it's basically, okay, if you get a thread item right from rank one, you it is like as soon as you weave that thread, it is equivalent to the best mundane weapon that you can get that that completely at that point solves any issues of, oh, well, will they use the weapon that has, you know, the higher damage bonus, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you get that right from the beginning. And then everything else on top of that is gravy. That's fine. Eh. Such as it is. (laughs) I I just I don't. I don't know. I. It didn't wow you. How's that? Well, I I find it hard even today to put into words. It just rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Okay. It doesn't feel like a solution to the problem. So the in, the intent of that extra rule is where you're you have a uh, well. I I don't. I'm not sure. Like I think again. I I am kind of going off of vague recollections here from. A decade ago, that's fine. At this point, you know, I I think it was one of these cases of a bunch of number crunchers, among which I count myself. I mean, I helped revise the classic version of it. I am there. You go perfectly guilty of of, (laughs) of that in in my own day. Yeah, I, I think it's a case of designers and developers who are very heavy. Theory crafters, which is mm-hmm. to say they take a look at the numbers and and run mental simulations or do comparisons and try to figure out what's going on. I mean, that's what we did, as I explained. That's what we did with the classic version. Yeah. We looked at, well, what are the steps that they're typically going to have? What does that make the odds of them success against various target numbers? Let's set the target numbers in that range so that they can succeed about as much as we expect them to. Yeah. Right? A fair chance. And so I, I think there is some more of that kind of crunchy design philosophy that's going on with third edition mm-hmm. and and seeing a potential problem that might not have actually really been there outside of very select circles and devising a solution to a problem that a very small percentage of the of the player yeah. base might have actually had which is fine that's what that's i mean that happens it, it, that's that's the kind of thing that that goes on so that was that was third edition but again, we're we're still like all of these previous versions, okay? Go like from one point the one point five version where the the mm-hmm. limit on the maximum damage was added on in first edition, all the way through second and classic and third, it's all continuing to operate under the paradigm of there is a maximum bonus that we should provide to an item. Yeah, right. There's, There's only so much. There is a limit to how much additional damage this talent should do. Okay, now we arrive at fourth edition. Fifty-two minutes into the episode, the 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 crisis on infinite earths of Earth Dawn, which is we're going to clean up all this past continuity, well, simplify things, get rid of some stuff that doesn't work anymore. So, <laughs> one of the things that we did, that I did, as we were working on revisions of for 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 the fourth edition, yeah. was to go back and look at talents and say. And especially ones that had seen a lot of changes over the years, like mm-hmm. Forge Blade, oh yeah, Forge Weapon, and say, okay, what's going on here? What's the 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 situation? And rolled it back to 
kind of equivalent to to first edition, which is to say it, it takes a little bit longer in terms of time. Mm-hmm. It is it is regardless of the item now a week basically of, of dedicated work, which is I think the most intensive of the the time requirements to use the talent in order yeah. to, to get bonuses. It can out of all of the versions, unless third did it, I didn't actually note that. Uh, can provide multiple bonuses on a single test, right? So if you get a, a, an average, uh, if you get a single success, that's plus one. Uh, an aver- uh, two successes gives you a plus two. Three successes gives you a plus three, and so yeah, forth, yeah. up to a maximum bonus equal to the to the adept's rank. So if you're at rank two, even if you roll super duper high, you're not providing more than a plus two. Yeah, not more than your than your talent can provide. The the difficulty number is standardized across the board, rather than being based on the weapon's base damage. Mm-hmm. It's just a flat six plus the number of forge blade enhancements. That is the case regardless of whether it is a, a standard item or a thread item. It does mean that lower base damage step weapons, daggers, short swords, dwarf swords, mm-hmm. whatever, are a little bit more difficult to forge under the new system than they were under older systems. And yeah. higher damage step weapons like two-handed swords and stuff are a little bit easier. Not hugely. You're talking about like a, a, a couple of points. A little bit more in the case of the dagger, but whatever. Yeah. So kind of flatten that the difficulty. Curve yeah, that that difficulty progressively gets higher the the higher the damage bonus provides. But we removed the damage cap limit. That now you can get as many as many bonuses as you can potentially stack on top of it, up to the however high you can get. So there's no longer a limit, and there's no special rules case for thread items. Thread items work. In, in this regard way. for the talent, the exact same way. Yeah. So the, so the, why would, so thread items do provide whatever additional damage bonus they provide along with their, and the difficulty is that like, if you have a sword that has not been forged, but has two plus two from a, from, from thread bonuses, the difficulty to, to increase that is seven. The same way as it is if you have a, uh, a mundane sword that has been forged twice up to a seven. They're both difficulty seven to get to an eight or a nine or whatever the test result would end up being. So yeah. the difficulty numbers are the same regardless. So the question of why would I use a standard weapon when, or why would I use a thread weapon when a standard weapon can deal more damage? Well, the, the, the difficulty of bringing that thread weapon up to the equivalent damage step of the mundane weapon mm-hmm. is the same yeah. Regardless. In fact, it's in some ways maybe a little bit easier because you might be able to get some bonuses out of the thread ranks and might not need to pay a, a third party weaponsmith silver to get those bonuses the way that you would have with a mundane. So so that that has been kind of balanced out and no. So no special case there. We kept the duration for a year and a day because mm-hmm. I think part of the setting warping capability of, of the, the damage steps and whatnot that could that could come about, like we talked about with the, the Throlic army. Yeah gets solved to a, a large extent with the duration. Yes. The thing that basically informed that choice is the consideration of, well, you know, but people then go, well, but then you can just get a like 12th circle weaponsmith to provide plus 12, blah, blah, blah. How many 12th circle weaponsmiths actually are there? If the limit is the, the adept's rank, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we've yeah. talked about, I, I don't know what you've talked about on this show, but I certainly wrote a blog post and have referenced it on this show <laughs> about yeah. adept populations. Yes. How many weaponsmiths are there with rank 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. 15? St- sounds. How many of them actually are there that would be able to provide those redonkulously high damage bonuses, mm-hmm. you know, on, on, onto, onto items? There actually aren't, aren't that, that many. many. No, they and tend so, to and so from, five and six from, and retire. from the, yeah, so from the, from the setting consideration standpoint, mm-hmm. and because the, the, the bonus is maxed by the weaponsmith's rank, and it can be maintained, but only at the limit of a particular weaponsmith's rank. So if you have a sword that, that somehow got up to a plus eight, but it's, but it's bonuses are wearing out, the forge bonuses are wearing out, and the only weaponsmith that you can find is one who's only rank four, they're going to lose potentially lose four of them. Yeah, that does you know that unless you have a really high circle weaponsmith who is able to continue to maintain those high bonuses, they're going to eventually go away. And so, seeing that most weapons 
are probably going to end up with around a three or a four or a five that because the vast majority of weaponsmiths that are out there in the world are novices and journeymen. Mm-hmm. The the practical reality in the setting is that you're not actually going to have a whole bunch of swords with plus eight, plus nine, plus ten damage bonuses running around because there just aren't enough weaponsmiths and enough hours in the day to maintain them. And if you find one after you've you found it, you'd better be with it, you know, day one or yeah. two or three, because after you know, three hundred and sixty-six days, it's toast. It's back to normal. Right. But there's nothing that prevents you from then, like, finding a high circle weaponsmith to eventually yeah, yeah. Get forge it back, it back up to that point. Like, basically, it, it's, you know, with, with some of the other things that were done, just in terms of the way that the that the number scaling worked, is that just basically the, uh, you know, ranks, like, that, that the attack damage steps and so forth kind of continue to go up mm-hmm. because of the talents that and and bonuses and so forth to adepts and creatures and so forth that their defense ratings continue to kind of scale up and everything damage could should potentially scale up that same way yeah we also completely divorced forge blade (laughs) from crafting items yes the way that the way that we kind of tried to clue it in classic that now weaponsmiths get a talent at first circle which is basically make shit craftsman the craftsman yes they get it at first circle and that's how they make stuff. The ability to make items because the, the idea of using forge blade, the talent forge blade as a way of making items from scratch mm-hmm. was actually, I think also introduced in the adepts way. Yeah. As a half magic, as a half magic ability, I think for weaponsmiths, I think, I don't know whether it was forge blade or whether it was, whether it was half magic, but craftsman is basically like, Hey, if you want to make swords from scratch, you want to make weapons from scratch. You use this ability that they get at first circle if you want to improve them above and beyond their normal capabilities, then you use the Forge Blade talent. It was half magic in the Adept's way. It was half magic in the Adept's way? Okay. To begin making small weapons such as knives and daggers, eventually graduating to full-size weapons such as broadswords. That was their half magic ability. Right. And and I think the their circle capped what size weapon they could make. I have the page. Anyway, that's all... So uh, part of the question that was that was posed in the the guild Facebook group and part no, of the question no that kind of prompted this whole hmm? no cap on that. There was no circle cap oh, on. The there was no limit. Nope. OK, I thought there was. It, anyway, it that's was fine. it was inferred, but not specifically stated as a number values. They, they, they began gotcha. with small things on purpose. It was just leaned into, but not. But part of what prompted this whole Okay, we're gonna we're gonna spend an hour talking about Forge Blade and its <laughs> history and why it got to where it is. Was yeah. because questions of why did they make this change? I don't see how it fits into if you're coming at it from a classic slash third edition situation yeah. where you're looking at Forge Blade having a very limited bonus that it can provide and being a way, and especially third edition where the idea is that. Thread items, enchanted items have that forge blade built into their rank one ability. Like there is a certain paradigm that is that is created within that that is just completely. Yeah, we are approaching it from a very different paradigm in fourth edition, Mm -hmm. which is to say that the crafting of an item and the improving of an item through forge weapon and the enchanting of an item Okay, that is to say, if you are deliberately making a thread weapon, yeah, those are th- those are in three separate buckets, rightfully so. <laughs> you know, rather than oh well, I mean, if you want to kind of approach it from a different way, that's fine. But the reason that, that the choices were made the way they were for fourth edition was mm-hmm. to go back and say, you know, I don't think there was actually a problem with. An, a, an open cap on damage yeah. if we institute a, a duration for how long that forge blade bonus lasts mm-hmm. and think about the actual realities of the setting to say, well, how likely is a 12th circle weaponsmith to be found? They are going to be commissioned by kings and nobles and high-ranking officers and generals and stuff like that yeah their skills are going to be in high demand and they are going to fetch a pretty penny and they are not going to you know unless you do something special (laughs) 
I'm going to like, I'm party. not even going to raise the idea of well, what if you have a player character weaponsmith? Well, then when you start getting into those warden and master circles yeah. and you mm-hmm. become a mover and shaker and you become a renowned weaponsmith, province province-wide renowned adept, yeah. You know, the, your your circumstances are are going to change, but a group of third circle characters is not going to wander into Thrall and be able to afford money wise a, a money wise a plus twelve damage step broadsword made by the <laughs> the master smith of the you know of whatever yeah it's just it's not gonna happen because there aren't many there aren't that many weaponsmiths that skilled they're they're Consequently, the amount of, of expertise and, and whatever means that they're going to be fetching a, a high price if you just calculate the numbers based on the suggested things in mm-hmm. there. And, yep. you know, it's just it's not going to happen. A weapon that a legendary weaponsmith might have worked on and forged up to be a legendary item for their companion or for the great swordmaster who went and slew the horror that was blah, 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 blah. Mm hmm. That's great. That sword, it it certainly at this point has been more than a year and a day since that that sword had been worked on by the weaponsmith. And so it might be a thread item that starts providing you some decent damage bonuses as part of that. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be. Yeah, it's it's, it's just basically like looking at the history of the talent and the problems and, and looking at the problems that it was ostensibly trying to solve. And adding bits and pieces here all along the way, and having been involved myself in a lot of that discussion and playtesting and development all mm-hmm. along there, it's going back and saying, okay, let, let's examine our base assumptions here mm-hmm. and and figure out what is actually necessary. Is the, un, is the open damage. damage cap actually a problem? Only if it's permanent. Fair. So let's no longer make it permanent. And then all of the other issues, I think, go away. Fair. I don't see. I mean, it's I, not it's I, not it's not perfect. I think. <laughs> well, we've had five other versions that also were not perfect, but I think it's a continuity clearing. It's, simplification. It's, it's, of, it's fine. And again, I do not in any way want to diminish the work that previous designers and developers did on their various versions, versions. and whatnot. No, this Absol- is a like, hard this is a hard talent to figure out. Yeah, it really is it's, because it's it's more or less. It's like, well, another solution is to just get rid of Forge Blade as a talent. <laughs> but then you have the reality of, you know, well, we can we can make but, something but sharper then you have, and faster but then you, and better. But you're like, I've been doing it with magic to make it better. And that's the whole point of the game. And why can't yeah, I do it on but, this thing? Well, but but then you <laughs> but I mean, you know, when first edition kind of opened that door in the first place. Yes. And. As I have said in other places, there there were some limits to what I was comfortable doing mm-hmm. um, and getting rid of what is one of the defining talents of one of the more interesting disciplines in the game was certainly not one of them that I would have been comfortable doing no, six years ago. Because that's what they're ago. here for. Don't um, get rid the, of the main the, thing they're here for. Well, I mean, there's there's <laughs> potentially other stuff that they could do. Yeah. You know, you could you could. Anyway, I won't, I won't go into... But it's kind of hard to be a weaponsmith without actually smithing weapons to be better. Well, so, I mean, you could yeah. you could look at <laughs> saying, well, okay, there's the enhance whatever. Like, there's a high circle talent that they got in first edition that I think might still be around where they can do a really quick but much shorter term mm-hmm. damage bonus. And that could potentially be something that you just bring down so that the, that the damage bonus is something that is done... Maybe on a, on a much more limited basis, on a much more temporary basis. Yeah, the I mean, the idea is that you've got the you've got the weaponsmith. It's kind of playing into the into the D and D idea of weapons getting enhancement bonuses, you know, to their damage. Yeah, and oh well, how does this happen? Well, there is a magical, you know, there is a discipline that specializes in providing damage bonuses to weapons. <laughs> I mean, among a whole bunch of other stuff, but that's like, yes. that's one of their things. Like it's again, taking one of the classic D and D tropes and building a setting element for that to make sense. Yes. In a really cool world building kind of fashion. So no, I think taking the setting element of how many weaponsmiths are that circle. Can you find, can you afford? Yeah. You know, logistical problem needs to be there. 
and yeah, work that in for yeah, I mean, it's, the it's, stats. It's, it's looking at, this is, obviously, if you take it completely divorced from the setting, mm-hmm. and you are not looking at, you know, using the, the setting elements, those story elements as a guide to how it works, then that's a, a limit, you know, that is certainly potentially a, a lot more broken. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, I think, guidance that needs to be offered to game masters on how to handle these sorts of things from a, from a setting standpoint. Fair. Well, I mean, and we've spent almost literally an hour uh, covering yeah. all the iterations, how they were, how they affected players and the, and the game itself and balance thereof. And then the development thereof. So this is the, um, the progression of foraging in an all encompassing umbrella foraging over time over the last 27 years for this game. And so I think it was, I, I, the duration for a year and a day, I can't say is a standard earth dawn thing, but I just think that makes it more special to make it in line with other things that last a year and a day. Just yeah, it, I mean, it's it's, it's a fairly standard duration. It and is less edition. fiddly than, oh, we need to know what rank the weaponsmith was when they did that and keep yeah. track of. Burr, 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 and burr, a lot burr, of fourth burr. edition things have been less note taking, less accounting, less, yeah. less crib sheet stuff. And that's a year and a day. Everybody knows that when you've played Earthon for longer than, you know, 20 minutes, a year and a day is one of those really cool time periods. And so making it a weapon of sharpness last this long year and a day that makes sense you're going to use it but it's going to last that long it's magically imbued um quick and note. you can and you can continue that if you want to like there's nothing yeah yeah i quick, quick little note i did look up the quarter staff in fourth edition it still provides you a plus one bonus if taking a defensive okay. stance so yay quarter staffs still kick ass yay, quarter, so. staff. quarter staffs are awesome <laughs> They just are in general. Um, so if you have any questions brought up by this discussion, by this long arching, long reaching, convoluted way we got from point A to point, I think we're, we're R, S, T now, something like that. Um, we, we're we're, we're on Beyond Zebra. <laughs> We've hit numbers. We've gone to plaid. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. We hope this was the clarification discussion you've been looking for for Forge Weapon uh, that you maybe have been we've been teasing for the longest amount of time. So uh, Happy New Year 2021. Any final thoughts that we didn't actually shoehorn into the last hour and plus? No, I vomited enough of them onto the... Uh... <laughs> Listeners already under the, the digital under the digital tape here, the metaphorical tape exactly for the past hour and change. That's all right. So no, no final thoughts except that I hope the new year finds you well. Please stay safe. Stay safe. Please stay six feet apart. There, there. <laughs> the we're we're clawing back daylight here in the northern hemisphere, and it looks like that light is actually the end of the tunnel and not an oncoming train. But uh, there are still. Still quite a few, quite a few bits of track to get over before we get there. There are cracks in everything, and that's how the light gets in. So, until next time, folks, you'll hear my lovely voice, uh, whatever you may think of it, lovely or not, uh, on some stories for y'all. And after that, we'll be back with both of us, talk about some other stuff. In the meantime, please email us. We'd love to hear from you, uh, good or bad, staying safe or not, uh, your trials and tribulations, your characters, your histories, and so forth. So, until next time, it is time for you to go forge your own legend as high as you can. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.